0: And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. I am Kevin. He is Scott. We have watched the game twice so that you only had to watch it once. Uh, Please, please do not do that. Do not watch that game again. Uh, We'll get into the specifics, but if you have it recorded on your DVR and you're just thinking, you know, maybe I'll go back and just kind of see what happened. Don't. Don't. Save yourself. Burn it um yeah we're here it's monday afternoon the uh mel tucker press conference actually is kind of just wrapping up so we have some quotes that we will get to from that to add a little bit of context to what happened saturday night which effectively was a complete and total ass whooping on national television so scott how are you today um this may be the
1: first time i've ever said this in my life but the lions turned my weekend around (laughs) in a good Uh, way the lions gave out an ass whooping for the first time in like my lifetime uh so in that respect you know i'm a little better but saturday night i was uh it's in a tough spot and uh yeah we're gonna we're gonna this is gonna be a little bit of just like general venting to help us get over it i think so follow it's cathartic along us. i'm yeah, not gonna hopefully. lie having
0: the podcast is cathartic sometimes
1: hopefully we're just a community of folks who can get through this together um it should be hopefully it'll be a fun episode it won't be as positive as most for
0: obvious reasons but i think we'll still have some fun <laughs> we'll try um yeah we i've got some uh, some answers here i i asked on facebook we'll get to these later on in the episode on the Facebook group, on the Standing Room Spartans community on Facebook, which is growing. Uh, I said, does yesterday's loss reframe how you view this team and how you predict the season will unfold moving forward? And I, I got some good answers on that, and we'll get to those. But that was kind of my mindset going into the podcast was, all right, we all know what happened, and we'll talk about what happened. But the kind of theme for me, I'm going to try to lay out and you know, you, you guys will hold us accountable if we stay on this pattern, but it's like, what does this mean? You know, it's, it's one thing to lose a game, but what, what does this loss mean? Cause I think there's a ton we can take away from this, whether it's just about this year or the whole tenure of this staff or, you know, whatever, but we'll get to all of that. Um, yeah. I don't know. It, it's, it was just tough watching other football which which kind of made it suck like I I watched all the NFL yesterday and the whole time I just in the back of my head was really really aggravated about how this game went down and again like I watched it twice and the second time was even more painful than the first time in a way because I knew what was coming and I couldn't even pretend to be optimistic about well maybe this will turn around this drive it was just um constant pain for a second time over
1: (laughs) yeah i was after the game i was sitting there and i was like i'm upset about this but i don't think i'm even as upset about this game i'm i'm more upset about what this might mean for the rest of the fall right i mean we're week three and Washington is far from the best team on our schedule. And that just happened. So I'm sitting there. I mean, folks, when you're like Kevin and I, and you run a Michigan state football podcast, there's one team that we live and die with. (laughs) And when we do this three times a week, um, for better or for worse, the results of the game have a big impact on uh, how, how much fun we have doing this. So Uh, And that's just focusing on me. But just looking at this game and this team, it's just and we'll, we'll get into it here. I think maybe later in the episode, we'll get into what this might mean for the rest of the season, along with your Facebook question here, Kevin. But if we just focus on on this game, right, I remember in the in the preview episode last week, you know, I said the worst thing that can happen is we start really bad. We fail to get into a rhythm we get Michael Penix really comfortable throwing easy completions and we completely lose any sense of or grasp on the momentum of the game. And well, that's pretty much exactly <laughs> what we What happens, Scott? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, the one thing I did say is that if Peyton Thorne gets rattled, it'll get ugly. Peyton Thorne never even had a chance to not be rattled before things spiraled downhill. I mean, those first two offensive possessions were as bad as they could have been.
0: Yeah. And, you know, like the this the stat that I'll leave people with, I don't know if everybody's heard this by now. The stat I'll lead you with going into the read here. Uh, in the first half, Washington gained three hundred and twenty two out of a possible three hundred and twenty three yards. They went touchdown, turnover on the on the one yard line, that goal line stand. So they made it all the way down the field except for that last yard and then touchdown 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 <laughs> they we we disallowed them exactly 1 yard in the entire first half of play so with that um let's uh let's turn our attention here to our friends at DraftKings who uh made a lot of money from me this weekend after hammering Michigan State uh an official sports betting partner of the NFL we're talking touchdowns big plays and even bigger wins new customers can bet Just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with bigger payouts, with payouts bigger than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped up same game parlays once per game all day all season long download the draftkings sportsbook app now and use promo code tppn for the pigskin podcast network of which we're a proud member to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game that's code tppn only at draftkings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl minimum age and restrictions apply see show notes for details And of course, Raycon is with us as I am listening to all the college football podcasts that are laughing at Michigan State Uh, on a national platform. I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. They look, feel, sound better than ever with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. They're very comfortable. They won't budge. They have eight hours of playtime. They have 32 hours of battery life and at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder they have over 50,000 five-star reviews noise isolation, awareness mode, earbud tap functions. They've got it all. Go to buyraycon.com today. Use code TPPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's TPPN15 at buyraycon.com <clears throat> to score 15% off. buyraycon.com code TPPN All right. I've been uh, waiting to rip this band-aid off for a while now. Let's just let's just talk about it. We got to talk about it. We're going to talk about it.
1: Yeah, so... We had some keys to the game last week. And I just want to kind of roll through them and see where things landed. Uh, first, I said that in order to get Peyton Thorne enough space to get comfortable again, we needed the killer bees to hmm. do some stinging and, uh, and, and be a strength for our offense, I think is how I put it. And I, I don't know if it was more because of the running backs or because of the O line that absolutely did not happen. And I'm going to focus in on the offensive line because it, it, that this conversation obviously goes all the way back to the, the uh, off season. We didn't know how they'd look against good competition. And we said, preseason, Washington's going to be the first look at really solid competition for our offensive line to go up against. And they got bullied for 60 Mm -hmm. minutes. They got blown off the ball. That safety, Jarek Broussard, he tried to make a cut, slipped a little bit. Matt Carrick was already three yards off the ball when he tried to make that cut with two feet in the end zone. Uh, And that was just one example of many throughout the night. This offensive line looked like. Pardon me, shit. They looked like shit.
0: Jalen Berger, 13 carries for 27 yards. Jarek Broussard, four carries for three yards. Um, yeah. It definitely didn't help in terms of trying to move the chains, trying to put more points on the board, especially early. I mean, even Peyton Thorne, we'll talk about him, maybe like the lone bright spot in this game he was facing pressure all night. I mean, some of the best plays that he made were rolling away from a dirty pocket, getting away guys in his face. He didn't see a clean pocket all night. And then, you know, with you're adding to that that there's no rushing lanes available for these running backs, who we know aren't bums, right? Like, I saw a lot of people on Twitter during and shortly after the game about the running game, and it was just like, you know, we know these running backs aren't bad. They might not be all Big Ten guys, but Berger and Broussard have both put just enough on their resume to tell you that it's not a 100% a running back problem, right? I don't know how you want to split that pie of what percentage is offensive line and what percentage is the running backs, but both of them failed at the end of the day. I blame the offensive line more than the running backs because – the running backs have more of a sample size to work with, to know that they're decent. This offensive line was a problem and we knew it was going to be a problem going into the season. Like they don't have any benefit of the doubt to lay back on. Uh, This was a group that we thought might be a problem. And it turns out against the first good team that we play all year, that it's a problem. And that, I don't think you're going to see Peyton Thorne play that well every game this season. And if Peyton Thorne doesn't play that well, he was playing out of his mind for stretches in that game. If that's not the Peyton Thorne you're going to get every game, you're going to have a real hard time winning games with with this group If if they keep playing like that. It was a terrible performance by the offensive line. It gets overshadowed by the defense. We'll get to the defense, but man, that offensive line struggled.
1: To wrap up this running game, because I just don't want to spend the breath on it much longer than we have to, we had, all in all, 42 rushing yards in that game. Portland State, on just two more carries, 31 to our 29, had 81 rushing yards. They almost doubled us. An FCS team, you know, you could say, oh, well, Washington, maybe they're just great against the run an FCS team did twice as well on the ground as the number 11 team, the former (laughs) number 11 team in the country. So Kevin, this leads us to one of the points that I know is going to be one of the most hotly discussed. I know Jay Johnson and Mel Tucker wanted to establish a run, especially going into a hostile environment. That's top of the list for any coach especially ones in the Big Ten with the pedigree of Michigan State and everything, they're going to try to establish the run. But a quarter, a quarter and a half through this game, it was very clear we were not up to the task. And running the ball was adding absolutely nothing to our game plan. And Peyton Thorne was getting hotter and hotter, and the game was still within reach at that point. And yet, we continued to try to establish the run with inside zone over and over. And it did not work the entire game.
0: On third and five. Like, <laughs> like four times on third and fourth down. And it, it, it was just... I The way I was trying to put my finger on how to um, how to say the frustrating part about Jay Johnson on Saturday... I was like trying to find the right way to explain it. And the best thing that came to me was it was like he had a, you know, they, they script the first 10 plays, the first 12 plays, the first 15 plays, whatever it is right And a good offensive coordinator. They'll script those plays and then they will use those plays to say, okay, when I do this, what do they do when I do this? What do they do? It's not just a script for the sake of these are our best plays. We're going to go score, 14 points because our first two drives are going to be awesome. It's specific plays that will give you the insight into the defense that you need to make calls the next three quarters. And it felt like Jay Johnson just scripted the whole damn game and just, there was no rhyme or reason to why he was calling the plays in the given context of the game that I was like, the only thing that makes sense here is if he just wrote down a list of like 85 plays, numbered from 1 to 85, and he was like, I don't care where we are in the field, if it's first down or third down, I'm running down these plays in order, and nobody can stop me. That that was the only explanation. I,
1: I don't have anything further than that. The receivers looked great. Keon Coleman, Trey Mosley, Daniel Barker all stepped up. Jalen Berger, even speaking of running backs, did decent. Um, if we throw another check down to Tyler Hunt at the line of scrimmage, I'm going to lose my mind because the dude's not athletic to get anything after the catch. So if you're throwing it to him, he better damn well already have yards.
0: Run that same play because you ran it 20 times. We know it's in the bag. Run the same play with Malik Carr. At least give us the, the run after catch threat. So
1: in my mind, Jay Johnson has enough equity to have that game. Right? Fine. Once. Once. Like I'll give him the flyer here. I'll give him the coupon. And, to,
0: to be fair, again, he scored we scored 28 points, right? Like is we'll get to the defensive side, but like on the offense There's some redeeming part. You mentioned like skill players stepped up. Thorne played awesome. We scored 28 points, which in a lot of games will get you a win, right? So people are saying fire Jay Johnson. Like that seems early did, but it is time to question and like kind of re-examine the resume and say like, you don't have as as much equity built up as you might think, but in my opinion, I the whole fire Jay Johnson thing. I do think it's a little quick, but I can see why people are frustrated. Yeah.
1: Um. To end our offensive discussion about this game on a bright note, Peyton Thorn woes. We can put them behind us. Inconsistency may still be a thing that that's yet to be seen this year but at least we know Peyton Thorne still has the tools in his bag. I, I mean I don't think either of us really doubted he did but now we've seen them on display this season. So we can feel good about the fact that Peyton Thorne can still make plenty of great plays and he did. He made a lot of great plays in this game especially in the second half. Uh 323 yards, three touchdowns. He did throw a pick, but all in all, I mean, he was I I don't think it's much of a reach he, He's, he was one of our two best players, right? Him or Keon Coleman, you could make an argument, but uh, he was certainly one of them and half of that connection. Yeah. So um, that's comforting. I mean, QB is still the most important position on the field. Um, and he was under pressure all night and only got sacked twice. So he's going to need that escapability if our offensive line continues to be what we saw on Saturday. But Thank God for Peyton Thorne, or this one might have been like a forty-five to three.
0: So, yeah. Nonetheless, no. I, I mean, and...
1: go ahead. I stomped on you.
0: Cut out a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I think our, our internet might be cutting out here. Let me. Uh... But no, it's. At the end of the game, I basically looked at it as like, you can't have a quarterback play, not really significantly lose the turnover battle. I mean, we had one interception. It's not like we had five turnovers or something. You shouldn't have a quarterback play that well without a significant like turnover disadvantage and lose a game by multiple scores. That just shouldn't happen. And obviously we know why it happened, but I mean, to give credit to Peyton Thorne, like he played an excellent game and you can't get crushed in a game when your quarterback plays well, that just should not happen at this level. So So that was uh, super frustrating coming out of it.
1: Let's flip the page over Um, on that note. We were never going to win this game with that defense no matter what we did on no. offense because the reality is Washington took four possessions off in the second half they were just running the ball and watching us futilely try to catch up because they had built such a, a ridiculous lead and and knew there wasn't enough time on the clock i mean that wasn't a, that wasn't an 11 point game no. it was like a 30 point game that ended with an 11 point deficit that defense yeah. like you said i mean you mentioned we we only held we, we got one yard to their 300 and whatever in the first half um our defense versus their offense and they just did absolutely whatever they wanted and what scares me going back to my keys to the game last week i thought we could make them somewhat one-dimensional and and slow down their running game they ran it right down our throat right into mm-hmm. the heart of our right into the strength of our defense and they were getting five to ten yards a carry in the first half
0: yeah, there was there was nothing redeeming about the defensive performance. I I mentioned the stat that uh, they got, what was it, 322 out of 333 possible yards in the first half. And then how did they start the second half? Oh, yeah, four-play, 73-yard touchdown drive. I mean, it's like you said, until they took their foot off the gas, they got whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted it. And even after that, Again, to your point, they clearly take the foot off the gas when it, when you look at the play calling and and what they were trying to do. And the next two drives, they didn't score, but they got uh, what was it here, fifty eight yards on ten plays, and then uh, another twenty three yards with a couple first downs. Like it, even when they shut it down and just were like, all right, you know, let's just kind of wind the clock down. They were still getting yards there was just nothing this defense and i mean i think the question is pointless you know a lot of people were were asking basically like is this is this the coaching is this the players like at the end of the day for us it doesn't really matter the the part that staff that matters to the to the players obviously but i mean for us it doesn't matter the the fact of the matter is our defense sucks And it doesn't look like there's any quick fix to it. So for the context of this team and this season, I don't see how a single person could believe that it's going to get noticeably better. I mean, sure, a couple guys will get a little more comfortable in their spots and, you know, it, it might not be quite that bad all season long. But how is there any confidence whatsoever that this group can even be decent? I That was one preseason prediction that just blew up in my face. I thought this defense was going to be a lot better. And maybe Darius Snow has a bigger impact than we thought he did. And maybe Xavier Henderson being out. And maybe Jacob Slade out. But look, I the top three players in your defense being out, that sucks. And no team is going to want to deal with that. And I think it needs to be a part of the context of the conversation. But I have no confidence that with those three guys playing that it would have been any different because those guys were all playing last year too, and we know how that ended up. So as much as I want to try to give the benefit of the doubt because players were out, like those same players were on this team last year, the whole season, and we had the same results. So it's not the players at this point, Um, or maybe it is the players. I don't know. It's just it's bad and it needs to be fixed. And I think the quicker fix is a coaching staff, uh, change because if you're admitting that the players suck, well, that's a long process to fix. So I, I, I just can't I can't think about how bad this defense is, dude. It It scares the hell out of me the rest of the season. We've only yeah. played three games, Scott. We have nine more games of watching this
1: defense. So to bring in Mel Tucker's press conference from today, I think one of the most startling quotes was when he was asked where the defensive breakdowns came from, whether it was a scheme thing, and he said, none of the defensive breakdowns were schematic. He says the issues were with eye discipline and technique, etc. To me, after the season we had last year, to have a game that essentially replicates the worst of what we saw last year to a T, and then blaming it all on the players, is really... I know Mel Tucker has a lot of fans, and we love to be rah rah about him. That was that's the worst look I've seen from Mel Tucker since he took the job. That that answer right there for me.
0: Yeah, I tweeted after the game, uh, you know, to give the kind of two sides of it. Right after the game, I tweeted that the the coach walked into that locker room after that game and apologized to the players because I don't think you could watch that game. And say that was the player's fault that they lost. The players were clearly playing hard. Peyton Thorne was playing his hard out. I mean, you know, taking hits, doing the whole thing. And the coaching staff just set him up to fail time and time and time and time again. Inside zone on third and five when you're down 22 points. Jay Johnson just waving the white flag. Defense constantly just getting torched and no changes being made like the the coaches lost that game for those players and then to come out and directly blame them publicly i mean i get trying to send a message but that seems like a behind closed doors thing and the fact that he i know there was the quote that that mel tucker said i'm a horseshit coach right now based on my resume you know but it did feel like there was a, a lack of accountability there for a coach that is going to have to answer to it, but kind of throwing players under the bus who won't be able to answer it themselves. Because if a player comes out and says anything to the contrary, well, now he's just some you know bad attitude, bad teammate, right? I I didn't like that either.
1: The reality is... Our defense under this scheme has never been good. We have had good games. We've had games where we we game planned our way away from our weaknesses, but our defense has never been good. Through 23 scheme, games now, which means one of three things. One, all of our players suck. I don't think that's it.
0: For 3 straight years.
1: For 3 straight years and they were decent under D'Antonio. Well, the, the the holdovers, most of them are gone now. Um, either they all suck, or the scheme itself sucks. And I don't think that's true either, because other teams have run this scheme successfully.
0: Right, it's, we're not the only school who's ever run the cover three defense. We're not the only school who's ever run, run a, a, four, two, a nickel five. defense, you know.
1: Or... Our coaches can't successfully coach it with the players they have. They're not putting the players they have in a position to take advantage of their strengths and play good defense. We know we have good players. Not every player on the field is great, but we know we have good players. And when one or two or three or five guys can't make a play, that could be a personnel thing. And I tweeted this, but when literally no one can make a single impact play for an entire game... You cannot tell me that's eye discipline and technique. It felt like we had four guys. It felt like we were playing with a basketball team against a football team. There were completions where you there were no Spartans on the, t- on the TV screen when the receiver caught the ball. Like, a lot. They're never near the ball. They snap the ball. Everyone drops back 10 yards. The receivers take the 10 yards and stand there. And they complete a pass and make somebody miss. And they're down the field in the blink. It never works. It's been like this for three straight years. Fine, I'll give you the COVID year, whatever. It wasn't your guys, whatever. Last year wasn't your guys, whatever. We're two and a half years in now, and we have never looked good on defense against formidable competition. Cade McNamara <laughs> threw for almost four hundred yards on us last year.
0: And think Tired about between you. between twenty twenty and the and the turnover and twenty twenty one and now, like how many corners have come through how many like it's just there's no way all of them are bad you know it's just and and to your point too like it's one thing when you when this happened last year against ohio state and we could clearly all look at this and say well they have better players you know sometimes there's just nothing you can do this is washington I mean, I'm not saying Washington is some slouch program. They, they recruit at a top 25 level. They compete at a top 25 level most years. They've been to a college football playoff just like we have. But we're not talking about Ohio State, Alabama, Oklahoma, USC here. We're talking about a, a good B-list school. Like, if, if your problem is that your players aren't good enough and we're talking about Washington then like buddy we that's not even one of the top 2 teams in the in the Pac 12 so if you're telling me your players aren't as good as their players then we've got a whole another problem that we got to deal with here because we're playing in the Big 10 last time I checked and if you're not as good as Washington that means you're the 6th 7th best team in this conference like it's it can't be both ways and you know to your point we were just talking about this in the group chat next week you were looking ahead to Minnesota and one of their top receivers is out and somebody brought it up like you know hey at least this will help and I'm like I truly believe this I, I don't think the talent of the receivers matter at all against us because all that they do is constantly just find these little soft spots that are wide open it doesn't it's not superior route running it's not jumping and mossing dudes on 50 50 catches against us it's that these guys are wide ass open every play and a bad receiver can run a five yard hitch route and then stand there like as long as the receivers are catching the football and you have a competent coordinator and a competent quarterback you'll throw for 300 yards it doesn't matter how good the receivers are sure after the catch you know you'll have certain guys who tackle and and make a bigger play but you don't even need to do that you can throw nine yards of completion every single time if you want to if you have a competent quarterback and coordinator this, i don't think it's the players
1: <laughs> washington's wide receiver jalen polk you i'm sure you remember him if you watched the game the most receptions he had in the game was five for 31 yards the most um yards he had in a game was 61 and he never had more than one touchdown in a game against us. He just went for six receptions, 153 yards and three touchdowns. This is not an all pac 12 player, but we made him look like an all American. And he wasn't, he was like their third best wide receiver. It's just, I agree. It's not, I don't even know <laughs> what to say anymore. Like Scotty Hazleton Mel Tucker got hired in February. He hired the best he could freaking find in March. And it was Scotty Hazleton. And like at the time, fine. The the coaching, the the coordinator market was a disaster when he was out there trying to find someone. And it's not, it, it was a spare part. It didn't fit the car. Go back to the shop and get a new one.
0: In revisionist history, I mean, when the hire was made... I think most of us were all pretty excited. I mean, he had a pretty nice resume. He was at North Dakota State. They had an excellent defense. That's kind of where he made his career. Bounced around a little bit. Ultimately, the last few years he spent in Wyoming and Kansas State, and and both of those teams, you you looked at the turnaround. Um, at Wyoming, they, they went from like a bottom 50 defense to a top 10 defense statistically. And then he went to Kansas state and like the same thing happened. There was this huge turnaround. And when he got hired, I was like, man, this guy's got quite the resume and maybe, you know, we have a defensive minded head coach in Mel Tucker, and maybe just those two are not clicking. They're just not seeing the defense the right, the same way. They're just, Getting in each other's way, and one guy wants to do it this way, and one guy wants to do it this way, so they compromise on doing it this way. Whatever it is, it's not working. And I'm not even necessarily saying that Scotty Hazleton is a bad defensive coordinator because he's got a resume that tells me he might be pretty good, but for whatever reason, it's not working, and everybody in the world can see it. And it's just sometimes you have to do something new and if we're gonna keep playing this defense if you're telling me that it's not the scheme problem and we're just gonna keep running this out there well then you damn better find the best offensive coordinator in the country and we'll start playing oklahoma football because that's the only way we're gonna win games as if we're scoring 35 40 a game because if this is what we're putting again it, it doesn't take a in all-American quarterback. It doesn't take NFL-wide receivers. It just takes a competent coordinator and quarterback who can game plan around this defense, which clearly a lot of teams have been able to do, and uh, and and you're going to call your number. You're, you're going to be able to score as many points as you're going to want. We How many times did we talk about Ohio State game last year? Obviously, the game ended with 56, but they could have named it. They could have scored 70, 80, 90, whatever the number was, they could have done it. And I felt the same thing watching Washington on Saturday. That should never happen with a team like Washington. They should never be able to score 60 if they wanted to. But if they wanted to on Saturday, Washington could have scored 60. You'll never convince me otherwise.
1: Which brings us to... Just Mel Tucker, right? I mean, we talked a little bit about his press conference, and we've talked about the fact that both coordinators looked like they couldn't make a single good call on Saturday. And now you have Mel Tucker saying some damn questionable things in his press conference. And, uh, you know, the vibes are, are bad in my mind around this team, and they have an enormous mountain of adjustments at a minimum to make if not full on scheme and coaching changes. And uh, the work really starts now for Mel Tucker. Last year was great. um, But this team looks like it has some serious problems and nobody's going to be happy if we win five games this year.
0: And we're, and we're having some serious problems heading right into the meat of the schedule. I mean, this is the worst possible time to be making adjustments and big changes our next few weeks are Minnesota, Maryland, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan. There's no time to get this figured out. Yeah, I made my ten and two prediction, and uh, haha,
1: laugh at me. It's kind of funny now looking at it. No way, but so that's no. Let's
0: let's do that because I I mentioned it at the beginning. Let's get back to that. So, you know, the game is what the game is. It's done. It's in the past. You predicted us to win ten games. I predicted us to not win nine games. I don't know if you have a specific number in mind of what that difference is, but both of us had us beating Washington, so obviously that that win loss total at the end of the season is going to be probably different. But like, how much does this change your view? Like, I'm guessing that you're still not super confident about ten win team. Like, are you? I've seen varying degrees of this. I've seen we're not going to make a bowl game to. You know, uh, now we'll we'll win nine games instead of the ten or eleven that I predicted. Like, where are we on that? It's really easy to
1: overreact on a Monday after a loss, so take this right. with a grain of salt. This is fresh, and I fully acknowledge that. But when I made that prediction, I thought Minnesota was probably a win. I was leaning a win at Wisconsin uh, versus Wisconsin. I had Michigan in there as a win on vibes because it's Michigan. And I still believe the Michigan game will be different because it always is. And I had a Penn State. uh, No, I had a Penn State loss. But now you look at games like Minnesota and Wisconsin right now with where I'm sitting right now, and I know it's fresh and it could be biased because of the loss. Those both look like losses to me. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State all look like losses to me. Right there, you're at six losses. And you're looking at Maryland, Illinois, Rutgers, and Indiana as your (laughs) Win all four to get to a bowl game. And at Maryland, they're undefeated. And it's and, on the road. Uh, last and last time I
0: checked, they have a good passing attack. They're going to be more than 500 quarterback. yards
1: on us. So, I mean, maybe we steal an upset in there. Maybe we pull one off against Minnesota or Penn State at the end of the year or something. But this immediately goes from, hey, can we get another New Year's Six Bowl to, hey, can we get a bowl?
0: Yeah. I, I want to argue with you, but I don't know how I, I just, you look at the schedule and again, Minnesota was a team preseason. I picked to win the West. I think that's a good football team. And the only reason I picked that as a win is because I thought we were going to be a better football team, but Minnesota, they have played nobody. They've steamrolled everybody that they played. I have no reason to believe that, that they, again, Tanner Morgan, say what you want about him. He's been playing college football for six years. You think he hasn't seen this defense before? You think he hasn't he hasn't looked in his chops? Ohio State, Maryland, Wisconsin, Michigan. Shoot, Indiana's looking pretty good to start this season. Connor Basilek's throwing the ball all over the yard. I've no reason to believe that I should be confident about that game in Bloomington. I Penn State I look just at my SEC and, country and man, steamrolled them. Penn State looks like a legitimate top 10 team in America. Yeah. I. You look at the rest of the schedule, and it's hard to find more than a couple, yeah, I feel confident about that win. And if you're laughing, do this at home. Seriously, look at the rest of the schedule, pull it up, look at it, and tell me where the confident wins are today. That You look at that game and say, yep, yeah, we will win. I see one, and that's Rutgers. Illinois is looking salty, man. Maryland throws the ball all over the yard. Indiana's looking real good to start this season. It's on the road. Like, what? No, that game is at home. Why does Google have this flipped? That's stupid. Um, But why should I be confident in any of these being wins with the defense looking this just pitiful? It's just call your number. And last season... Year. we were doing kind of the same thing messing around with it and you know letting teams kind of throw the ball all over us between the 20s but then like the the other kind of game that this was being compared to was obviously the miami game last year the kind of big first test non-conference against a, a pretty good but not great team and Am did the same thing but the difference was when they got down to the red zone, we bowed up. We got down to the red zone. Baskets were condemned. We made plays on the ball and didn't allow them to get into the end zone. Washington, no problem. They walked into the end zone. So for, if we're not going to stop in the red zone, this is just going to be long ass here. Yeah. I mean,. I
1: feel like this has gotten wildly negative now, so I want to try to move on. Um, But seriously, I mean, if you're listening at home, if you're listening at home, look at the schedule. Tell us what you think. Tell us why we're wrong. Tell us why we're going to win nine games still, eight games, seven games, whatever you think it is. Uh, Let's hear it because I'd love to hear a reason to believe that kind of projection um we'll talk about the minnesota game i don't want to dive too much into what we need to see this and while and we're it's on the topic
0: different. i will uh, bring up a couple of these because i did ask it on facebook i wanted your guys' opinion and uh this for the season uh nine and three before this tackle will now be seven different uh the program had a year to work out the kinks in the secondary has flat out failed, and if we want to be a national contender, we need to fire Hazleton as soon as possible. Secondary is destined to finish dead last in the country for a second year. Some could make the argument that their injuries in the secondary giving yards and not being able being within the vicinity of opposing receivers for several plays, is about the athlete, more about the schemes dialed up. Uh, oh, I a lot of what we're just talking about there. Um, Sean McGovern says, Do yes, uh, due to the blue to the blue and that was fired, it does quite su- superior. Alan beat us unless Hazel starts making massive adjustments quick. Like, everybody kind of on that same path of like, thought a really good team, but. I'm struggling to find exercise wins now it's um it's just where we're at i guess i I don't know, but again it, hey Peyton Thorne looked great. maybe the quarterback just takes oh Thorne is ultra competitive. we saw it live in person on Saturday. um maybe maybe he just drags and drags and drags this team to a finish line. I don't know, but that's that's pretty much what it's gonna take.
1: Yeah. So, um, sorry for a little bit of internet issues. If those made it into the recording, uh, I guess everybody's taking a week off this year or this, uh, this week, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an uphill battle now and it's, uh, take wins wherever you can find them kind of season. Now, uh, I, I would encourage anyone not to, to look too far down the road and not to, uh, write any uh, scripts for games later in the season. Uh, There is plenty of time to make adjustments and maybe those coordinators, you know, they'll go home and their, their wife will give them a verbal whooping for, for what they saw back at home. Didn't make the trip to Seattle and just Jay gets home and his wife's like, what the hell are you doing, honey? And they (laughs) uh, get their heads out of, you know, where and and start to game plan around the good players on the team. Um, I would really love for these coaches to take some of the brunt of this though, because there were some absolute head scratching decisions. Speaking of Mel Tucker, you remember that two point conversion calls over and over and over? Like the first one made sense. We we're yeah. down like 11 or whatever the numbers were. But at one point, we were down like 15 and we went for two. <laughs> and Mel Tucker said, Well, that's what the metrics say. And what are you talking about?
0: Yeah. I think anyway. the coaching staff should be forced to do the Cersei Lannister walk of shame through campus. Fully clothed, to be clear, um, for any Game of Thrones fans. But they should just have to announce the time the day before. All right? They can get their, you know, kind of security team, make sure nothing, you know, serious happens. But give put it out on on social media. Put the route exactly where they're walking through campus. And just say, at 2 o'clock, we're going to start here. We're going to walk from one end of the campus to the other. And just let fans just get that, get it out, right? And and make them hear it, make them feel it. Because I think, um, hey, there's a chance, and we get made fun of all the time for how much Michigan State fans praise Mel Tucker and it kind of feels culty. Um that that vibe changed real quick on Saturday. So uh I, I think we should be able to to kind of get out that pent-up frustration, make them walk the streets of East Lansing and Let people give them a a piece of their mind.
1: I want like a live streamed film session with a, a just like the college football playoff committee, a committee of completely (laughs) unqualified individuals (laughs) to sit there with the coaching staff and give the clicker to the head fan. Steve and Owasso. Yeah. (laughs) Give it, give the clicker to the fans and have them run through the film and just run the, run the tape. Jay. We knew what we were doing in the running game. We knew it wasn't working. What were you doing here? Why'd you give him oh, the ball again? It was fourth and four. Why'd you run the ball? It was third and six. Why'd you run the ball? And not let Mike, that man Mike out of the Mike and Fowlerville just
0: legitimate... hit him an explanation. <laughs> Mike and Fowlerville just hitting that little like five second rewind button that they have on those clickers with the coaches film and <laughs> just just make Scotty Hazleton watch the same play over and over again. <laughs> Uh, justice needs, they don't take accountability.
1: Yeah. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to take it from them. Uh, speaking of that though, real quick. I I, mean, I love this team
0: on Twitter. There was the, uh, you know, the quotes coming out that they were, you know, they don't usually do this, but they watched the first half on the continuous tape in front of the whole team, which, which tells me some people were getting called out and I, I just, again, to go back to the point, um, I hope some, some coaches were called out too. I just, that's all I'll say. I, the players that deserve to be called out, they were probably called out very publicly in front of the whole team. Um, but I, I would like to hope, and I probably isn't the case cause I've been in football locker rooms and film rooms before, but, I would like to think that Mel Tucker would be able to to rewind a clip a couple times in front of the whole team and just say, "Scotty, what the hell, man? what What were we doing on this play? Why did we run this coverage on this play, Scotty? Tell the team what What's going on here? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that happened, but I I would like to believe it did. So, we are tasked with the chore of
1: giving out a game ball <laughs> each and naming a play of the game each. And remember we have new rules this year. We can't do the same player or the same play. Uh, I'll, I'll kick us off here, Kevin game uh, ball. There's two to... easy
0: candidates at least play of the game. Yeah. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I'll start with my play of the game. Cause it, it did pop into my mind. Um, we're going to end this on a high note here. Trey Mosley, fourth down, um, need a conversion, double coverage makes it pretty spectacular catch at the goal line to secure one of our, our four touchdowns today. Um, I think he really stepped up in the absence of, of Jaden Reed. Obviously Keon Coleman had a, had a big game, but in terms of individual plays, I think that one's it for me. Trey Mosley stepped up when we needed it. You know, Peyton Thorne has a knack for those fourth down conversions dating back to last year. And, uh, that one really kept us in it at the time in the game, there was still hope and and they were fighting and Trey Mosley really stepped up and, and shined in that play.
0: I'll give a uh, play of the game to what ended up being uh, a couple plays in a similar light as you, in the sense that like it was still a game. We were not out of it yet, et cetera. Um, The first goal line stand, I'll just give it to the whole defensive line, but if I had to pick a player, Simeon Barrow was absolutely the catalyst of that. Um, You know, you go back and think of the context. We were just down 7 nothing. We had to punt. We gave it back to them. They marched all the way back down the field, but then we get this massive goal line stand and give the ball back to the offense, and that momentum got evaporated immediately but it was the one time in the whole game that we had momentum and it was because of that goal line stand it was a great you know couple plays there for the front seven to to get their push and not allow Washington into the end zone but you know ultimately it didn't matter but uh, at the time that got me pretty amped up that got me thinking all right we we stole momentum back let's get a nice long drive by the offense here and, and, you know, kind of settle into this one. No, that's not what ended up happening, but in the time I think that was, that was my play of the game. Nice.
1: Yeah, that was, that was exciting. And it was good to see, you know, we, we ragged on the defense, I think rightfully so this whole episode, but that there was, there were a couple glimmers to celebrate that certainly being one of them. And uh it was exciting at the time. Um the players of the game, I'm sure we both have the same two candidates. I'll yeah. pick one because there was something specific that stuck out to me. Um, I'm going to take Keon Coleman. First of all, huge breakout game. I mean, we we all know what he is at this point, but especially because Jaden Reed was out and we needed someone to be that guy. Keon Coleman did it. He was making plays all over. Scripted plays, unscripted plays, spectacular plays. Um, he did great. But what, what I really loved... It's kind of not what you, not what I'd expect Um, at the end of the game. I, it was one of the last drives. I'm not sure if it was the last one. Um, Peyton Thorne tried to convert on a fourth down and we ended up turnover on downs and it was a throw to Keon Coleman. And it wasn't, it wasn't very completable and it wasn't completed. Uh, It was on the sideline and Keon just couldn't reel it in. And he, Keon Coleman, with the game that he had, had every right to be really happy for himself. And he still, he went over to the sidelines and he was just visibly frustrated, visibly distraught. And you'd hope you'd see that from every player. But yeah, I've seen players who they personally have a great game and they're like, well, you know, I had a good game. Sucks for the team, but I'm, you know, I'm satisfied with that. And Keon Coleman's not happy with that. Uh, he has enough athleticism to take himself as far as he wants to go, but I'd love to see him even after having maybe the best game of his career so far, uh, still really feeling part of the team, feeling frustrated with the team and, uh, and damn, did he play his ass off to try to keep us in that game.
0: Nothing more frustrated, more frustrating as a, as a sports fan, as a competitor, than the guy down 48-10 celebrating after his touchdown. You know what I mean? It's like, read the room, dude. Yeah. And you know you can tell the difference real quick between the guy who cares and the guy who doesn't. And uh, you could tell Keon Coleman cares, cares about this team, cares about this program. Um, that That was... You know, you don't want to say good to see because it's clearly a guy that was like emotionally distraught, but it was good to see in the sense that like, we know now there, there's going to be no question moving forward of if this guy cares or not. He proved it on Saturday. I'll go with the other one. I mean, in the same light, the, the intangibles that I saw from Peyton Thorne on Saturday were even more impressive than the tangibles. He played a darn good football game tangibly. 30 for 42, 323 yards, three touchdowns, just the one interception when he was kind of forcing it late. Um his competitiveness, I thought was was evident. The way that he was carrying himself throughout that game, the the look in his eyes when they would zoom in on on him on the sideline and and talking to his guys and getting everybody up and the one play, if you remember you know we used to kind of rag on him last year and say dude you need to learn how to slide man you need to learn how to avoid this contact there was a third down where he scrambled out to the right there was nothing going on he was up the right sideline there were there were four defenders there we're down 22 nothing whatever the score was at the time he lowered his shoulder into that db he he damn sure knew that he wasn't going to get that first down but I think that was Peyton Thorne, the competitor, Peyton Thorne, the leader, trying to spark something, trying to show his guys like, look, man, I'm giving everything. I don't care about my body right now. I will throw a shoulder into this guy if it'll get us to play. You know, I I saw a lot. I, I think we learned a lot about Peyton Thorne on Saturday. And, you know, he, he might not be the next um, you know, first round draft pick, he, he we'll see how that all unfolds. But in terms of has he got that dog in him, I, I think Peyton Thorne's got that dog in him. Absolutely. So reason to be
1: excited to see more football. Uh I still love this quote unquote job. Um <laughs> I still love talking about MSU football. I still love cheering for our green and white, and let listen. Let's keep it in perspective. We're two and one. You know, if you listen to this in a vacuum a hundred years from now and you're a football podcasting historian, you might think we're talking about a three and seven team here. Uh, we're two and one. We Be can make college football playoffs. <laughs> um, so if you're firing up Twitter to yell at us for saying it's just one game, you're right. It is. It's just First one First quarter game.
0: of the season's over.
1: And uh it didn't look good on saturday but every game is a new game new game plan um maybe we'll get a guy back from injury or two and uh things could turn around quick you never know so we'll reserve further comment for when the time's right uh it was a bad game but it was just
0: one so appreciate the the kind words of everybody that um has followed us along the way here. If you are new to the program, which I know a lot of you are, um, you know, we have some back end numbers that will tell us that there are some new listeners. So we appreciate you stopping by and checking us out. Hopefully you like what you heard. Usually the internet's better. <laughs> I will say that we had a couple glitches here today. So hopefully uh, I can clean enough of that up in the audio producing side, but Um, If there were any errors, we do apologize. It's usually better, but, uh, you know, nothing wanted to cooperate with us in regards to Michigan State football this weekend. So, um, no, if you are new, though, we appreciate having you over. And, uh, you know, we can go ahead and share the podcast with friends and family. We always appreciate that. And we also appreciate Apple podcast reviews. It really helps us out. So if you uh, have it in your heart to leave us a nice review there, we would appreciate it. Spotify as well. Uh, has a review system so wherever you're listening just give us a quick shout out and we would appreciate that and uh, that's it we'll talk to you guys on wednesday we'll start getting ready for big 10 play right around the corner here with minnesota coming to town so until then hope everybody has a good start to the week here go green go white take care folks